it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Tonight, we have episode 196. And tonight, we're going to return to answering some great listener questions that we got recently. So I'm going to go ahead and read the first question. I have, hi, Andrew. Thank you for all the work you and Dave put into their podcast. It's great to have a rational voice emphasizing the need for value investing in a field whose mood swings harder than Mr. Market. My question for you both is about the concept of economic moats. Thanks to your explanation of Buffett's concepts, I understand that finding a great company with a wide moat is essential to value investing, but it seems like the concept of a moat can be a bit abstract for newcomers into investing. I've been trying to think of businesses that are synonymous with an industry like Google is for search engines. Is there a formula or ratio to look for that would help someone doing research on a company to find the potential for a wide moat? Thank you for your help, Sam. So Andrew, what is your thoughts on Sam's really good question? So let's start out with maybe some of the beginner kind of explanation of what a moat is. So if you know, if you can picture a moat, basically, let's go back to the Middle Ages of the times when they had castles. And um, back then, there was a lot of violence, people always wanting to steal your stuff. So you would build a castle and, and build really big walls to keep invaders away and be able to protect everything you've worked so hard for. And another way you could do that besides a wall is also build a ditch all the way around the castle, fill it up with mud and and water and everything. And that way, you know, they can't take battering rams to, to break down your castle. So that was a very effective way to protect yourself back then. Now, in the business world, there's a lot of similarities to that, where when you're a business who's making a ton of profit, 
obviously that's very good for you. But the downside to that is the more profit you make, the more attention you're going to attract from competitors who are going to want some of that profit. And so as they come into your industry, they will start to chip away at everything you've built. And so a great example of this was what Amazon did. Amazon came in to the retail space and completely slashed prices on everything. And so what that does for you as a business, if you used to do very well, now you're coming in to against a competitor who's slashing prices. There's not much you can do. And you know, you're kind of you're kind of screwed if you do, screwed if you don't. You know, you lower prices to match Amazon and there go all your profits. If you don't, Amazon takes all of your customers. So that's why you have the concept of a moat, is because if you are a business who has something special about it, so that competitors cannot just come in and aggressively cut prices to steal business. If you're able to defend against that, then you have a moat. And so people like Buffett and people like us, we like to invest in companies like that because if you're in the business world, you're going to attract competition. And so you need to have some competitive edge that allows you to be able to fight away the competition and continue to grow and continue that profits over time. And so that's what a moat is. The answer to what, where, how you find a moat and what that means for business is a whole nother topic on its own. Yes, it is. And there's lots and lots and lots that goes into a moat. But I think Andrew described it very, very well. And he put it in a great way that you can kind of visualize it. And I think the biggest thing that you need to think about when you're trying to think about moats is you need to think about the competitive advantage that the company has. So let's let's take a company, for example. Let's look at somebody like, I don't know, Amazon or Apple. Those companies have arguably a pretty wide moat depending on what viewpoint you're looking at. So for example, let's take Apple because I think that's maybe a little maybe a little more clear, not always the clearest, but it can be. So when you think about Apple, you think about their iPhones and you think about the competition out there that could unseat an iPhone. And right now there isn't a lot of it. There is a Samsung obviously, and then beyond those two, there really isn't much. And does that mean that nothing will come come along someday and unseat it? No, it doesn't. It it could could very well happen, and it could easily happen. We don't know. I'm not in the tech world, so I don't know what's sitting out there that could be the next greatest thing that replaces something like an iPhone. And we think about if you think about iPhones and you think about the evolution of them. Not that long ago, a company like BlackBerry actually was the king, and they were up they were upended by Apple because Apple created a better product that was easier to use and it just appealed to people. And, you know, I, I like to say that it's, it's easy enough that a four year old could use it. And it's also easy enough that a 40 year old could use it. So it, it kind of fits, fits all those, those patterns. But the, the main, I guess, concept to think about is thinking about a company that has the ability to withstand competition and kind of stand above the crowd. There's lots of great examples. Buffett likes to talk a lot about Coca-Cola as a, a company that has a superior moat. Now, Pepsi obviously is a big competitor to theirs. And depending on which beverage is your choice, I'm more of a Coke person myself, but it depends on who you, who you, uh, who, which you think is better. You know, there was years ago, there was that discussion about, uh, 
which tasted better. And Pepsi was doing all these blind taste tests and, you know, we're showing that people were actually choosing Pepsi and then Coke, 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 Coke made the foolish, foolish decision to try to change the recipe and try to, I guess, stand with Pepsi as far as they go. And it, it created a huge backlash. And if they had continued on that path, they could have eroded their moat. And so those are all kinds of things that I guess when you're thinking about investing in a company, you have to think about the competition out there and what kind of impact that could have. Think about a company like we like to talk about Tesla and we like to, I like to bash Tesla, but for the moment, I'm not actually going to bash them. I'm going to talk about, I guess, think about this with Tesla. So they are the first really large company that really has taken electronic vehicles to the forefront and love them or hate them. Elon Musk has certainly driven that change that's occurring now in the auto industry. But one of the things that a lot of people that are, I guess, bearish on the company that are against an investment in Tesla are concerned that right now the company has a moat, but you could argue that it's a narrow moat because there are other comp- competitors that are really stepping up to the fore to compete with them. For example, General Motors, Ford. Volkswagen, Toyota, those are just some of the big four companies. Then you look in China, uh, Neo has really taken on, taken off. And I think there's another company that I'm blanking on that has really taken off there as well. So all those things are things that could potentially erode Tesla's moat someday. It may not happen and it may, it just depends, but that's all part of investing is you have to consider the moats and you have to consider the impacts of all those things. And there's different kinds of moats. So right now we're just talking about generalities, but I'd like to talk a little bit about maybe a few of the the bigger kinds of moats that that are out there. And I'm going to throw that over to Andrew so he can chat about that a little bit. Before before you do, because I think there's there's several types of major, I don't know if you want to call them like, um, not prototypes isn't the right word, but kind of um, archetypes, you know, like like different businesses will have a similar type of money. So like a big one would be like a scale advantage where yes. the bigger you get, the lower costs are. When I, you know, you mentioned talking about Coca-Cola and Pepsi, um, one of the great Moats for for Coca Cola outside of just you know having a tasty beverage that has people with their preferences is they took a very different approach to the distribution part of the business and so if you want to contrast what they did versus what Pepsi did Coca Cola basically said instead of taking all of this man- expensive manufacturing in house we're going to have bottlers do it and and they're going to take up these expenses we're just going to focus on what we're best at so. Coca-Cola was very, very capital efficient, whereas Pepsi kind of, they weren't as focused and they were trying to dip their toes in a bunch of different things. So they tried to buy up like Frito-Lay and and they tried to get into snacks and they tried to hit other areas of grocery. And so during that time when, when Buffett first bought into Coke, they just completely ran over Pepsi, even though Pepsi was trying to do these kind of advertising campaigns to say that, hey, logically our our drinks better uh it didn't matter because coca-cola had those those deep moats and it 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 goes to show how how there can be different aspects of a moat within an entire business so whether it's a product like going back to the apple thing with the iphone i think one of their biggest moats is their iMessage because i i had to deal with this firsthand where 
I used to have an Android. And if you guys use iMessage, you know, when you have a group chat, everybody who's in the group chat, as long as you have an iPhone, we get the blue box. But as soon as one person with an Android comes into the group chat, it ruins the whole thing and, and it turns the boxes green. What's pro- what The problem with that is if you're trying to share pictures and, and, they, and there's an Android in the group chat, the pictures come in at very, very low quality because something to do with the, with the, the, the way they're doing the SMS um, to, to include the Android ruins the picture quality. So my family had a separate group chat away from me because I had an Android. And so eventually, of <laughs> course, I had to switch over to the iPhone so I could be part of these group chats. And I'm never going back, right? As, as far as, as with the phones that are available today. So iMessage is an example of something within the Apple product that really gives it this competitive mode that you combine with network effects where the more people that have an iPhone and the more people use iMessage, the more powerful that mode is because now you want to buy it just to fit in and to be a part of the conversation. Or you could have a distribution moat like with Coca-Cola or some other kind of business efficiency moat. And we've seen a lot of those in retail too, where the way you've structured different parts of your business from distribution to logistics to even um, the way you treat employees, those all can have different bearings on the final results of a business. And you could have a company like Coca-Cola that blows one of their competitors like Pepsi out of the water, even though the industry as a whole is doing really, really well. And so you can start to have investments that do a lot better than their peers when you correctly identify the companies that have moats. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example. And I, I love the idea that you had to switch from a Samsung to, you had to come to the light right. <laughs> to, to be with everybody else. Yeah, that's, that's a great example of a, of a product that allows the company to have a, a competitive advantage and, and it, it, it encourages the network effect because the more people that want to be involved with other people in that group chat, like your family, you you know if that's important to you then you you, you got to have the product to be part of it and that's that's where that whole network effect really comes into fore uh, he asked also some ideas about maybe ways that you could measure this or uh, you know there i guess you know what kinds of things can you look for in the financials you think to help give you an idea of of a moat beyond just kind of more of the the thought experiments it's a great question. And it's very difficult to answer. And so I think just like you can find a unique moat for every business, you could find, not that you could find a unique metric, but you could find, you could easily make the... As a finance nerd, you would assume that I have my money game all together. Well, shocker, I didn't until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. 
Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving the product. They release updates every two weeks and allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I don't know. It's it's easy to be biased and say, oh, because of this, then that. Like it's easy to attribute certain things. So, you know, you can look at Coca Cola and you could say, well, why was their moat so? How could you have known their moat was so great? Well, just look at their earnings; it was growing. Or look at their revenues; it was growing. Or look at their balance sheet; it's so strong. Or look at this metric or that metric, and really. You could be right or you could be wrong. I think the closest metric I would think of would be ROIC. And I know we don't want to get into the specifics of that, but even with a metric like that, that's very strong, there's still some downsides to it. And so, you know, you want to have growth and all of these things. So, really, there's not going to be a single metric that you can use to say, oh, well, this metric, they're better at this metric than this company. So, they have a better moat. It's just, it's not that easy, but what the numbers will help you do is kind of help you tell the picture of whether the moat is working. So I'll give an example of this. I had a, a company I bought a couple months ago, recommended in the e-leather. I was looking at auto insurance and uh, auto insurance companies are generally a very good business model because um, they're able to invest the float. Customers give them premiums and then they're able to not only make a profit on the premiums versus the claims, but they're also able to invest it. And it was a big reason why Buffett did so well because he he invested in Geico, understanding the the very favorable business conditions of of auto insurers and how they can help shareholders. 
when I wanted to look at how this auto insurer was doing, I wanted to compare it to its competitors. And so, you know, even though I had the feeling and I had the idea that they were actually doing well, you know, you would look at the the numbers behind everything looks good. It's all going in the right direction. But you want to you want to go a little bit deeper than that. So in this case, I looked at the market share between them and other main competitors. And so over the past five years, they had taken quite a bit of market share compared to some of the other ones who have actually fallen away. So you know, not a perfect metric, but one way to be like, look, what they're doing and what management has been doing to push the business forward has been working for them because the industry as a whole has grown. So every business in that industry has grown. But when you compare their market shares to their competitors, this one's doing it better. This one has other metrics that also look really good. And so I want to go for this one rather than that one. So that's uh, one example of a way that you can try to identify a moat. But really, just because, just like every moat's different, the way that you're going to interpret the numbers can be slightly different. And so where you should look in a company's financials might be different too. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. Can you explain a little bit the the concept of of market share and maybe in a, in a broad sense of how that works so that if somebody wants to go home tomorrow and go, hey, I really like these companies in gaming and I want to look at kind of the market share over the last few years of of some of the top competitors and kind of see how that compares, how would they do that? That's a great question. So market share, basically, if, if we look at all of the gaming companies as an example, let's say there's $30 billion spent in gaming every year. And if you take the top three companies and let's say they each earn a third of, of that, then that would be the market share. So if there's 40 billion, they each earn like 13 billion or something, they have 33%. That's their market share is 33%. And so there's several ways you can do it. Sometimes you'll have kind of like researchers who will who will put that information forward. Other times you can kind of do it yourself where if you can collect a list of all of the companies in that industry and then you just look at their sales numbers and you add them all up and you compare, okay, um, this company, this company, this company, this company, what's their total? And then how much does each company have? That's another way to do it. You can go deeper and deeper and deeper because there can be different segments within different businesses. But as a general rule, that's what you're going to look at. You want to look at what's the market as a whole? What's the business I'm looking at earning now? And how does that compare to the market as a whole? That's a great answer. Uh, another ask, another way that you could do that, and this is something that I've started trying to do recently, is when I read through a company's proxy report, a lot of the companies will list in there a peer comparison. So when they are listing all the different monetary benefits that uh, management might get from the company, I they will list all the competitors that they're comparing their financials to. And so one of the things that I started doing was taking all of those companies, and it could be as little as five, it could be up to 20, and doing the same kind of idea, taking the revenues from all those companies and then comparing the company that I'm interested in and seeing what the percentage is. And then you could even just go back for five or 10 years using a really easy uh, screen like QuickFS that can give you all those numbers pretty quickly. And you could you could see very quickly 
what kinds of market share that particular company commands of that particular peer group. And even though it may not be every single company that is in, I don't know, fintech, but if it gives you 20 companies out of fintech, it's the closest competitors of the company that you're interested in investing in. And so that would give you, a, a, I think, a good snapshot at least of how that company is doing against its peers. And I think that's an easier, easy way to, to look at that as well. Now, my turn to ask you a question, Dave. So okay. in the scope of like trying to find a stock you want to buy, how high of a priority does a moat have for you? And you know, how does it relate to other things? Like if we find a company with a fantastic moat, are we just gonna that's the investment, just have all these wide moat companies, or is there more to it? Uh yeah, there's more to it. Um I think it really depends on so I'm not trying to hedge, but there's there's two ways to think about this. So there is the I'm going to wait until I find the absolute best company and I'm going to back up the truck and throw every penny I got into the into the company. And that is kind of what Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger have done through a large part of their career, especially with the big investments that they've made for Coca-Cola, American Express, Wells Fargo, Apple recently. A lot of those companies, they have really thrown a lot of money into and they have a big store of cash to do something that with. And so that's very common. And some of the bigger, the bigger investors out there that, that we really like, Monish Prabhai being one in particular, he runs very concentrated portfolios, which means that he puts a lot of energy and a lot of resources into an investment. So when he does it, he's doing it with the idea that he's buying the absolute best company he can absolutely buy. And he, and his attention is to hold it for a long period of time. So there's that. I guess, idea of investing. And if you're following that kind of method, then having the absolute best moat is of utmost imperative because if you put in all your life savings into one company and you are not buying the absolute best company that's going to be commanding that particular market, then you could have some big problems. So there's that. Then there's the other idea where if you're dollar cost averaging and you're investing every month and you're looking for more diversification than that kind of thing because you don't have the the absolute command of the market that you, that Warren Buffett does. I mean, when when the guy talks about insurance, he knows his stuff. And so when he's talking about an insurance company or bank or consumer product or something along those lines, the man knows his stuff. And so for him to wade into a company like Apple in the way that he has, he can do that with confidence because he really has a circle of competence and he really understands that product and that market. For somebody like me who maybe wants to invest in something like, I don't know, fintech, for example, I don't have the absolute command of that that I may for a bank or an insurance company. And so for me to back up the truck to a company like, let's say, Square or PayPal, just as an example, would be I couldn't do it because I don't I don't know the business well enough and I don't know the industry well enough to determine if one of those companies has a moat over the other or has a moat wide enough to withstand any competition in the overall sector to begin with. Now if I look farther down the food chain into a different aspect, I could look at something like Visa and say, yeah, they absolutely have a moat. And 
they have a very wide moat. But then you have to take into the consideration the fact of where they are in the market, how long they've been the leader in the market, and what their price is. Because even though we're looking for companies that have huge moats, I'm still looking for a price that I can buy that's going to generate a good return now and into the future. And even though Visa is a fantastic company and there's nobody that can argue that it's not a great company and they've built a fantastic product that is at this moment is undisputed along with MasterCard. But you have to ask the question, is all that already priced into the company now? And so if I'm going to buy Visa, can I expect the same kind of return that maybe I could expect from PayPal in comparison? I don't know. And that's that's where that whole, it's not just about finding the mode, it's also finding the price that it's at is going to give you the return that you want. Because we've talked about this in the past, and I'll kind of refresh everybody's memory. Microsoft from 2000 to about 2012 was not a great investment. It was not the juggernaut that it is now. And it 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 kind of languished in the market for a long time. It had sideways returns and negative returns over a long period of time. And so if you'd bought it at 2000, it would have taken you 12 years before you'd made your money back and started earning a good return. Now, we all want to say we're long-term holders, but I don't know if I could have hold her for 12 years. I mean, I have to be honest about that. And I don't know if I could have done that. And I don't know if anybody else could. But anyway, my point being is that if you buy Visa at the wrong price, and then five years from now, it's still rough. It's only trading at 2% above where it was. You've made a 2% return over five years. I could have just put the money in a savings account. Well, maybe not a savings account, but I could have put it in a, a T-bill or something way more conservative and probably earn more money. So there's an opportunity cost to doing something like that. So I guess those are, I guess, some thoughts I have. I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are, sir. Well, of course, I'm going to agree with you, right? Uh, <laughs> you're speaking my language. I, I think that's the big problem when when you talk to investors. It seems like they're either all on the moat camp or they're all on the price camp. And you really need to be somewhere in between. And so, yes, you can have a great moat. But if you're priced to perfection, then you are not going to, it is not going to end well for investors. And you've seen that over and over and over again. Like you said, with Microsoft was a great example. Cisco is another great example. They, From the last time I checked, I don't know if they've even still rebounded from their 2000 uh, peak. And all they've done ever since is just grow and compound earnings and cash flows. It's kind of funny. So again, you know, the moat will allow a company to earn and grow at higher rates than your average company. But to what extent and how much you're going to pay up for it? Because if they can't continue to do that and you pay too high of a price, you're not going to make a return on the stock. And that's just the way it goes. Yep. You're right about that. And you thinking further down the, the idea of this. I've I've been reading through a lot of 10Ks recently, and I've come across some pretty darn good companies that uh, I'll just give you a couple examples. Intuit and Adobe, fantastic companies, ridiculous margins, awesome sales growth, all kinds of great stuff, but they're all expensive. And when I say expensive, I'm talking about buying a $1,000 iPhone for $4,000. Who's going to do that? It's, it's, it's just not... It's not, I'm not saying they're not good investments. I'm saying for me, that's not what I want to buy. I want to buy something that has 
room to grow and also to account for any mistakes I may make in the idea that Intuit is a fantastic company. And Intuit's top of mind because it's tax season. So TurboTax is, you know, what a lot of people use, raising my hand, I use it. And it's a great company. It's, it's, you know, you read through the financials and they're organized, they're well laid out, they have lots of great information and they share lots of details that not a lot of companies always share. And so all those things make you, for me, somebody like, Hey, this is, this, this company cares about me if I'm going to buy the company. And, but the simple fact of the matter is, is it just trades at a higher multiple than I want to pay. It's just more expensive than I want to pay. And, but Adobe's same thing. It's a fantastic company. It just not, it just doesn't trade for what I will want to buy because I don't feel like it has that long term of a growth. And when I talk about something like that, let's, let's, do a quickie thought experiment here. So this is something that Warren Buffett threw out during the last shareholder meeting that he had a few weeks ago. In 1989, out of the top 20 companies in the S&P in the world in market cap, at almost, exactly none of them still exist in that same 20, 32 years later. So I know that's a long time, but think about that. 32 years later, not a single company is still in the top 20. So when we think about a company today, like Apple or Google or Amazon or Facebook or any of the other ones that dominate the top five or 10 here in the United States, the chances that any of those are going to be here in another 20 years are slim to none. And it's not that I think any of these are bad companies or bad investments. It's just a simple fact of the history has shown that through time, once the companies get to a certain size, it's really, really hard for them to keep doubling and doubling and doubling. And Amazon and Apple may prove us wrong. It's entirely possible, but it's highly unlikely that all five of those or all 10 of the top companies in the S&P right now will still be the same 10 in 10 years, let alone 20 years, and certainly not 30 years. That's a great point. I think a great way to wrap up the discussion on moats as well as, yeah, you can build a moat, but the moat has to change and evolve as the world changes. And so there are lots of businesses back in the day that used to have moats and those moats erode as other businesses come in and find better ways to serve the customer, have better products and services, and have things that have greater performance and, and essentially just give better value to, to the people who want to buy it. So yeah, you do got to be careful that, yeah, a company has a moat now, that doesn't mean it's going to have the same moat even five years from now. And so that's where the margin of safety comes in, where it's like, hey, you know, the stock is priced to have like the best moat in the world for the next decade. Maybe I don't want to pay that much because if they stumble a little bit, the stock's going to crash. So let me build a margin of safety into that. And, you know, maybe a company doesn't have as strong of a moat, but if it has a bigger margin of safety, that might be a better investment because the market's not really acknowledging the fact that they do have a pretty good moat. And so they could have above average growth versus another company. And, and so those are all things to keep in mind in addition to you know just the company itself and, and what kind of a moat it has. All right, folks. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up our conversation on moats today. I wanted to thank Sam for taking the time to send us that great question. And I hope we helped answer that question on moats. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. 
Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.